The following is a recorded program of a live show. Please do not call in, but feel free to send messages on our WhatsApp line at 876-283-9533. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of God be unto you. Hello dear listeners, welcome once again to your usual program brought to you by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in Jamaica answering your questions and also your concerns and the things you need to know about the religion of Islam. I am your host, Imam Ibrahim Fawson. This program is sponsored by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and as I always say for the knowledge of the new listeners, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is one of the over 70 denominations in Islam. This community believes in the advent of the reformer of the age in the person of His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, may peace be unto him. Spread across over 200 countries, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is a peace-loving religious community which rejects any form of violence against God's creation. Our motto has always been love for all and hatred for none. In the course of the program, if you wish to be part of it, please send us message via WhatsApp and the number to do so is 876-283-9533. Again, 876-283-9533. Today on the program, we are looking at um, why some foods have been forbidden both in the Bible and also in the Holy Quran. There are several verses in the Holy Quran which, you know, forbid Muslims from eating certain types of food. And incidentally, there are references also in the Bible that also talk about similar things and this is what we are going to look at today as to why some foods have been classified as forbidden and some are permitted to be eaten as usual i am joined by imam Tariq azim president and missionary in charge of the ahmadiyya muslim community who is going to help us discuss this very important topic as to why some foods have been forbidden in the Bible and also in the Quran and what are those foods in the scriptures. Imam Tariq, Assalamu alaikum and welcome to today's program once again. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May peace and blessings of God be upon you and all the listeners. So as I stated, there are over 20, if not more than that, verses in the Holy Quran that you know um educate us on some types of food that we are not supposed to eat we will look at why they have been you know tagged as unlawful for us and also in the bible there are countless number of verses that also stipulate some food items that we are not supposed to eat in the holy quran or in islam if i should ask what are the categories of food in islam with regards to lawful and unlawful? Um, yes. I mean, simply put, there is two categories. One is halal, which is allowed types of foods, allowed. 
and other is haram, which is unlawful. So within those two categories, um, it becomes very straightforward that, you know, halal, if you eat the allowed foods, if you eat from them, um, there won't be a sin to eat any of those things. And haram, if you are forbidden to eat a particular food in the Holy Quran or in the Islamic uh, scriptures, um, it will be a, a sin against our spirit, our soul uh, that we will be committing. But the halal, that is the lawful category, it is further divided into three types or three categories, you can say, subcategories. So haram itself, forbidden itself is one category. Forbidden is something that you don't go near at all, unless, of course, somebody is in a situation where they're dying and nothing is available. So okay. the Holy Quran gives an exception there. But otherwise, forbidden foods are where you don't go at all. So what we need to look at is the lawful category, which we call halal. In there, there is three categories, as I said. First one is tayyib, which means pure. It is halal, but it yeah. is considered pure. But then the second category here is halal food, just generally allowed. And the third is makruh, it is disliked. So all these three categories are allowed. But within these three categories, there is difference, um, you know, um, they have different impact on our spirituality and especially our health. So tayyab, the pure category, it refers to that type of food which is wholesome, which is healthy, which is good for you. It is halal, of course. It is lawful. But at the same time, there is many lawful things that might not necessarily be good for us, uh, but they don't cause much harm. Or, you know, we, we've been allowed to consume them, but it doesn't mean that they are very, very healthy. Just to give an example, yeah. when we're talking about tayyab, um, um, an example of pizza. It would be a healthy, uh, it would be a good food. It would be an allowed food. But does it fall under tayyab? It is very hard to say that it would fall under tayyab because, because of its health implications that it can have on a long run. So it is allowed, one is allowed to eat pizza, but to categorize it under tayyab, it might be difficult. I'm just giving one example. There's okay. many more people who eat junk food all the time. Yes, they're allowed to eat it. It is halal. It is lawful. But at the same time, we cannot call that junk food, the way it has been prepared, what is you know, put in those uh, uh, food that we sometimes purchase from outside, it would be difficult for us to call it tayyab. So that is the first category within the lawful tayyab, where we try to eat the most healthiest, most cleanest, most pure of the foods, right? And again, like for example, Islam allows us to eat sugar, an ordinary thing that we eat every day. Yeah. But for, for, for a person who is diabetic, that same sugar becomes harmful to his life, to his health. And it can have serious ramifications against his health. So in that case, for that person, eating sugar is not tayyab anymore. You know, the pure or the okay. whole or healthy category. It would not be in that category for that person. So tayyab means, or that this category refers to those types of foods which are healthy for us, which are pure, which are clean, and will, you know, will not affect our uh, health in any negative manner. The second category is of, of halal, which is lawful. So basically, this is the middle category when, it, when, we, uh, when we consider uh, the categories of food in Islam. This is where um, you, know, you have to still decide that if it is good for you or not, and that, that's how you should go about moving on with that. 
The third category is makruh. Makruh means disliked. Something that is disliked in Islam. So there are certain types of foods that uh, have not been forbidden, but the Holy Prophet, the founder of Islam, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, he uh, disapproved of them. He disliked them. And um, some, because, you know, in Islam, we understand that not all animals have been created for the purpose of consumption as in this form of eating. Okay. So again, that for, uh, some of those types of animals, insects, birds fall under this category that which have not been made unlawful to us completely, but at the same time, um, it is better if we don't consume them, uh, try to go something towards that is halal, something that is tayyab, something that is pure, healthy, and wholesome, uh, has good uh, benefits for us and the ecosystem in general. Okay. So that would be something uh, that we should consume. So basically, if we simplify it, there are some foods that are termed as lawful and others are termed also as unlawful. However, under the lawful ones, there are subcategories that some are considered to be pure and wholesome. And by wholesome, it can also apply that that food is acquired in a legal way and also it conforms to ethics. And now to my second question. What are the unlawful foods specified in the Holy Quran which are termed as the haram? So when we, when we look at what are unlawful foods according to the Holy Quran in Islam, um, you know, we look at uh, chapter 5 of the Holy Quran, verse number 4. It is stated in this verse, Allah the Almighty says, Forbidden to you is the flesh of an animal which dies of itself, and blood and the flesh of swine, and that on which is invoked the name of one other than Allah. So here, four things so far have been mentioned. What are those? Flesh of an animal which dies of itself, one. Number two, blood of any animal. Yeah. Number three, flesh of swine. Number four, um, an animal which has been slaughtered in name of any other, you know, any God other than Allah, any other name than Allah. And then it goes on to give more description, more kinds okay. of animals that have been forbidden. Allah the Almighty says, and that which has been strangled, and that beaten to death, and that killed by a fall, and that which has been gored to death, and that of which a wild animal has eaten, okay. except that which you have properly slaughtered, and that which has been slaughtered at an altar. And forbidden is also that you seek to know your lot by divining arrows. That is an act of disobedience. This day have those who disbelieve the spirit of harming your religion. So fear them not, but fear me. This day have I perfected your religion for you and completed my favor upon you and have chosen for you Islam as a religion. But whoso is forced by hunger without being willfully inclined to sin, then surely Allah is most forgiving merciful. So here in this is one long verse and it talks about all those forbidden types of foods, all those forbidden types of meats, which are you know, Allah the Almighty has very clearly explained that if an animal dies in this manner or that manner, you should not consume it, you should not eat it. And then also giving, uh, adding blood uh, and the flesh of swine to that category. 
So this is what explains what are forbidden unlawful foods, especially in concerning meats in the Holy Quran. Now you asked me earlier that uh, what can be a situation where haram or forbidden food become allowed? So the last part of this verse becomes, a, you know, uh, answers that question. Sure. Allah says, but whoso is forced by hunger without being willfully inclined to sin, then surely Allah is most forgiving, merciful. So here, uh, a person who has nothing to eat, he, who has literally no means of surviving, and all he has with him is perhaps a dead animal that he found while he was on the road, and then he eats that. So for him, that might be allowed because for his survival, it was necessary that he eats something. So even when he took a risk with eating something that was unlawful, or when I say risk, meaning it could, it, it possessed health risks as well. Yeah. When he consumed it, it you know, uh, the risk outweighed uh, the risk of dying with hunger. So therefore, in that situation, it became allowed for him. There, there is one very famous story uh, in, uh, from early Islam uh, about a cobbler. Uh, it is mentioned that a man one time was uh, saving up money so that he could go perform pilgrimage in Mecca. Yeah. He lived outside of uh, Saudi Arabia, present-day Saudi Arabia. So he was saving up money so he could go perform pilgrimage. But then when he was about to go, um, what happened was uh, his neighbor, uh, he could smell cooking of some you know, delicious food or some curry being cooked at his house. And he, you know, he thought that uh, he's my friend, he's my neighbor. I should go to him and you know, I, should, I should ask him for something to send over to my house as well. So he goes there and asks uh, them to you know, send something over to their house because the food smells very nice. Um, the person, the neighbor says that, sorry, I cannot share the food with you. At this, the person who was asking, I mean, he was asking only as a friend, uh, you know, as something that you share between family or friends Commonly, you send food over and uh, as a sign of love. So he was very surprised there. What did you mean that you cannot uh, uh, share the food with me or with us? So at this, the, the neighbor at first was very hesitant and did not want to explain. But then he says that um, we had been, uh, you know, hungry. We had not had food for so many days. So eventually we found a dead animal and uh, I brought the meat home. And we cooked it. And that's what we are about to eat because we haven't eaten anything in days. So for us, this is lawful. But for you, meaning we are in, we're in a situation that it has become lawful for us. But for you, it will not be lawful. So this person, he was moved so much by uh, you know, the person who, had, who was planning to go perform the pilgrimage. He was so moved by um, this. Uh, what, when he explained this, he said he, he felt that you know, this, is, this person lives right beside me, my neighbor, and I have never understood, I've never realized in, you know, past one month, two weeks, whenever he has been in, you know, since he's been in trouble, that he's not able to, has not been able to cook anything at the house. I didn't even know I've been eating, meal, eating a meal every single day while my brother has been suffering like this. So then he went home and whatever money he had been saving up, saving up to go to perform the pilgrimage, uh, he brought it to him and shared with him so that he could be relieved of his difficulty that he was in. So my, I mean, of course, this story goes to show uh, how we uh, Muslims should be looking out after their neighbors and whatnot. But at the same time, my purpose of sharing the story at this point is, so we see that how one food can be allowed for one person because of his dire situation and circumstances. Okay. But otherwise it is forbidden, it is haram. So that is the reason that Islam in situations where it becomes unbearable, where it poses a risk to their health, 
to the life at that situ- in that situation the holy quran allows for one to consume um, even something that has been forbidden but again that that would only be allowed for that person it would not mean permission for everyone even those who have uh, plenty to eat or even uh, who have something else to eat so this is in regards to forbidden foods uh, but then the the holy quran also forbids uh, drinking of alcohol or wine it okay. is mentioned in chapter 2 verse 220 of the holy quran allah the almighty says they ask thee concerning wine and the game of hazard gambling say in both there is a great sin and also some advantages for men but their sin is greater than their advantage so here the holy quran forbids both drinking and gambling so we're talking about forbidden uh, foods here so wine is forbidden because islam acknowledges that there may be some advantages to it as well to your health and what not medicinal advantages as well but because the uh, the the sin or the you know the disadvantages outweigh the advantages for this reason one should not consume uh, alcohol should not drink wine beer or any of these drinks this is the reason explained in the holy quran and you know this being said again whenever there is an advantage for example uh, homeopathy is a very famous popular a uh, form of uh, medicine that is used in many parts of the world today and the way they uh, you know make their medicine they use alcohol to increase the amount and it is used for a good purpose so in that case it does not become haram or unlawful or forbidden because it it is being used for medicinal purpose it becomes allowed in that situation so islam very uh, gives a very uh, comprehensive teaching in the in regards to unlawful foods and lawful foods even those foods that are unlawful if they serve a, a specific purpose if they uh, if there is some advantage that we can draw from them in that situation islam allows it so this is the teaching given in the holy quran and as i mentioned first the, uh, the types of meats that were forbidden and then alcohol as well uh, there is a saying of prophet muhammad peace be upon him he says every intoxicant is khamr and every khamr is forbidden meaning that anything that intoxicates us that clouds our thinking our judgment our you know mind the, all those things are forbidden so alcohol falls in that category and many other drugs uh, that people uh, you know uh, take in different ways um they're also forbidden in islam so anything that that does not serve any good purpose to our health uh not everything but many things have been cl- very clearly specified in the holy quran that they are forbidden to consume thank you very much imam tariq azim for the um wonderful explanations particularly taking us through the holy quran as to the types of food which are considered unlawful for you know consumption and you made mention of dead animals blood and also the flesh of swine that is pork and last you said I mean animals that have been slaughtered on an altar for idolatry purposes. Let's look at this. The examples you gave were found in the Holy Quran and as I always say a vast majority of our listeners are not um associated with Islam. Are there similar teachings in the Bible regulating what we should eat and what we should not? 
Yes, absolutely. Basically, every religion has some form of dietary law. You know, we look at Judaism, the Bible, basically, we look at Hinduism, we look at Buddhism, we look at Islam. Every faith, every religion has some form of uh, dietary laws that one is, you know, what we are allowed to consume, what we are not allowed to consume. So Torah, when we're talking about the Bible, yeah. uh, gives a, a very detailed actually explanation or description of what foods are allowed and what are not allowed. Those things that are allowed, uh, we know that they're called kosher foods and anything non-kosher cannot be consumed. In some ways, these are very similar to what uh, we practice in Islam. But at the same time, there are some other things that have been made forbidden, that have been uh, you know, forbidden by God to, to, the, to the followers of the Bible, uh, which have later been allowed in the Holy Quran. So what are those, uh, you know, what is the description of uh, what is forbidden or what is allowed? Um, it would be best if our, uh, you know, listeners can turn to Leviticus chapter 11. It gives a very long description of what is clean and unclean. Uh, it is not possible for me to go and read that entire chapter here because yeah. it will take a while, but it gives a very long description. You know, I mean, the reason that it gives a very long description is so that people who follow the Bible know very clearly what is allowed and what is not allowed. And they go on following that. So the Jews, actually, uh, majority of the Jewish community, they try to follow these guidelines, just like Muslims try to follow the guidelines that we discussed earlier about uh, lawful foods in Islam. Just to give a very brief description, animals that chew their cud, you know, slowly eat, and have cloven hooves are allowed. But if any animal has either one of these traits missing, that animal is not allowed to be consumed according to the Torah. Four animals have been mentioned here that are forbidden you know, in okay. the Bible and Torah. Yeah. Rabbit, hyrax, camel, and pig. Pig also has been mentioned here by name that it is not allowed to be consumed. So four animals in total have been mentioned here. And then it goes on to give description about other forms of life as well, you know, like what can be consumed from sea life, uh, what kind of birds can be consumed, what kind of insects can be consumed, and, you know, same thing, what cannot be consumed, from what cannot be eaten from uh, among these categories. So very long, detailed description is given. And as I, as I mentioned, the Jewish community, the Jews, um, they try to follow these guidelines very strictly. So... Technically, Jesus, peace be upon him, followed the Torah. He followed these guidelines. These same yeah. teachings should apply to the followers of Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him as well. And within the present day Christianity, there are some denominations that do follow these teachings that have been given in the Torah. I, I gave you one chapter from uh, Le Leviticus. The whole chapter talks about this. But uh, even in other parts of the Torah, you find some uh, other descriptions as well. So, you know, so much information is there, so much, so many uh, words or pages are dedicated to this aspect, what is allowed, what is not allowed. Okay. So Jesus, peace be upon him, you know, upheld these teachings and followed them throughout his life. We, you know, we read in the fifth chap uh, chapter of Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, chapter five, verses 17 to 19. What did Jesus, peace be upon him, say? He said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, 
not the smallest le letter, nor not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, lowest. But whoever practices and teaches these commands given in the Torah will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So he, he, Jesus, peace be upon him, says that you know, one should uphold every single command given in, in, in the Torah, in the Old Testament, should not disregard them. And he upheld these teachings. Of course, he was, he was a righteous, he was a, a pious person, pious yeah. prophet. He was not a hypocrite. He practiced what he preached. So he himself practiced this. You know, whatever the Bible had said, what to eat, what not to eat, he practiced that himself. However, unfortunately, many, many uh, groups or denominations within Christianity uh, consider everything to be clean. And they say that one can eat whatever they want. But again, this goes against the teaching of Jesus, peace be upon him. They have taken one verse uh, from the Bible and they say that here, Jesus, peace be upon him, allowed everything. And I think it's, when we look at that, that story, that incident, and uh, look at the context, I think people have taken that teaching out of context and just given permission to eat whatever they want. So when we look at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, uh, verses 1 to 5, and then uh, some other verses from 14 and onwards, it is mentioned there that uh, now when the Pharisees gathered together to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands defiled, that is unwashed. Okay. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with hands defiled? And he called the population to him again and said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a man which by going into him can defile him. But the things which come out of a man are what defile him. Do you not see that whatever goes into a man from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and so passes on. This is where the quotation ends. And in most of the Bible, you would see that here, the words of Jesus end and in parentheses, they will write, thus he declared all foods clean. I mean, you can look at uh, maybe 10 different Bibles and many of them will have this in the parentheses that thus he declared all foods clean. Same, same uh, concept written in different words. Where did Jesus, peace be upon him, said that all foods are clean now? Meaning now you can eat anything. Yes, he is talking about something, but giving this declaration from the, the scholars, their own point of view and putting it in, in the Bible, yeah. allowing people to eat whatever they want, I consider that very straight dishonesty. You, you know, you can have an interpretation of something, but when you put it into the, into the scripture that this is what you know, uh, is a statement and everybody at that time understood it as if now I can eat anything. I can eat pork, I can eat. Well, that's an, that is an assumption and an interpretation. You can have your interpretation, sure, but don't, uh, you know, force it upon the people. Don't make it part of the scripture of God Almighty or, <laughs> or, a, or a religious scripture for that matter, right? So yeah. thus he declared all foods clean. It is written in parentheses and that should be a su uh, sufficient uh, reason to basically suspect this whole concept. Yeah. We look at Jesus, peace be upon him, himself. Throughout his life, do we find any example 
of him eating non-kosher foods. So we don't see that. We don't see a sim- sim- single example of that. Just because I, I you know, even uh, many of my our listeners right now, they might agree with us that yes, Jesus did not allow these things. But at the same time, because they have been um, uh, eating certain foods for such a long time, they might carry on. But still, they, they should think about it. Did Jesus ever do this? Did Jesus ever consider it allowed? No, he didn't. What's happening in this paragraph, in this story that I, I mentioned from the Gospel of Mark, is completely another, another issue. Some people um, you know, who might not have had the same manners as some of those uh, Pharisees and scribes, they were complaining that they're, washing, they're, they're eating with their defiled hands, their unwashed hands. And Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, because, you know, see, there's different classes in a society. If somebody who is uh, uh, coming from an upper class and he goes, sits with the lower class, he might say that, oh, these people don't have the manners. But where you grow up has a certain impact on you. So instead of judging people, you try to be respectful and carefully, uh, you know, nicely you can teach them about some of those manners which you yeah. think are important, but you cannot uh, condemn, start condemn them, condemn them, condemn them. Correct. That's the right word. You cannot condemn them. And that's what Jesus didn't like about this story. And he said that don't worry about what they are eating or how they're eating. Worry about what's coming out of you, meaning the kind of things you say. More important than what we eat is our spirit. And that's correct. That's a separate aspect. That's a whole different story. But he nowhere said, now go ahead and eat whatever you want. This is what has been derived from here completely unjustly, in my opinion, in my understanding. Jesus, peace be upon him, was talking about another matter. And he, was, uh, he didn't like the way they were condemning those uh, disciples of his. So therefore, he said that, no, more important than that is what, you know, how, how you purify your mind, how you purify your heart. And how, you know, what kind of things you say. So this is important to understand. See, I mean, now, by, as I said, that uh, many Christian groups consider everything to be lawful because of the statement of Jesus, peace be upon him. Now, would they consider such filthy things that uh, there are so many things that they still wouldn't eat? Now, I don't want to give this example, but at the same time, when we say a human or animal excrete, it is also something natural, but we do not consume it. Why? Because it is un. It is, we know that it is disgusting and yeah. it is something filth that is coming out of us. It is unclean. If I take the statement of, uh, you know, as is written in the Bible, thus he declared all foods clean. If I say that, oh, everything is clean now, now I can eat whatever I want. I can eat dirt if I want. No, that's not, that's not how it goes. Uh, we have to still regard, Jesus himself still regarded what the Torah said. He never went against it. So we have to take the teachings of Jesus, peace be upon him, in a way so that they do not contradict his other teachings. In one place, he's saying that I uphold the teachings given in the Torah. Then in another place, he's just saying that, you know, you should not condemn somebody like this. And from there, you take this um, uh, interpretation and put it into the Bible on your own. Thus, he declared all foods clean. This is unjust. This is wrong. And in our understanding, I mean, again, Jesus, peace be upon him, followed the, the same dietary laws given in, uh, in the Torah. Now it is up to our Christians, brothers and sisters, that do they want to follow what Jesus taught or what was taught by the scholars that came later on where they said you can eat everything. Jesus himself did not do that. So if you truly love Jesus, I would say that you should think about it and read more into it and that how Jesus lived his life, not what the scholars 
uh, that came or people that came after with whatever motives they had said uh, or put into these books later on. Thank you very much, Imam Tariq Azim. And um, it's, it's very interesting that um, almost everything you said with regards to forbidden food in the Holy Quran are also similarly found in the Bible. For instance, in the Holy Quran, chapter number 2, verse 174, it talks about food that are not supposed to be eaten like the flesh of swine, um, dead animals, and, you know, blood. There are many, many verses, basically chapter 5, verse 4, chapter 16, verse 116. And then, in the Bible also, in Leviticus, chapter 11, the whole chapter basically talks about forbidden food. But then, at verse number 7, it talks about the flesh of swine. In Isaiah chapter 65 verse 4, it also talks about the flesh of swine. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 21, also talks about dead animals. The, the, the argument some people might you know, present is that why should some foods be classified as unlawful and some, you know, particularly with regards to animals, why should some be classified as unlawful and some lawful? And if some are supposed to be not to be eaten, why were they created in the first place? God has created, um, you know, millions or actually we can't even uh, count the types of lives God Almighty has created. And each, uh, you know, thing that God Almighty has created serves some kind of purpose here. Humans have a purpose. Each animal, each insect has a purpose. The purpose of those animals or those insects is not always that humans can eat them. No. There is different, different things that each insect or each animal does in this world. Some have been allowed by God Almighty for us to be consumed. But some have other purpose that they're serving that you know, when we eat them, especially when everyone starts eating them, it can throw the whole ecosystem out of balance. It can create a problem for entire society, entire humanity. So that is one of the reasons that God Almighty has forbidden uh, some types of foods. And some, again, have not completely been forbidden, but have been discouraged to be eaten, as I explained the category of makruh. You know, for example, eating of donkeys or horses, uh, we cannot outright say that they are forbidden, but at the same time, they're not, um, uh, they're not preferred. They're not, in normal circumstances, one, would, one should not eat them. So that is, uh, you know, an example that because they've been created for the purpose of riding or carrying or other things like that, for that reason, God Almighty has not preferred us eating those things. So that is one reason. Yeah. The other reason, I, you know, there's health reasons as well. So for okay. example, the dead animals that we talked about, fork and whatnot, they have health implications as well, and they're harmful, detrimental to our health. For this reason, they've been forbidden. You know, there's many... Uh, many, many health factors that, you know, some I mentioned already, and obviously we will look at more, uh, yeah. that because of that reason, they have been forbidden. But I think the most important reason that every uh, religion has this lawful and unlawful things is so that uh, we develop a sense of obedience. We, you know, see, God Almighty has created millions of uh, types of animals and different lives or even more. And if he forbids us from a few types, 
why must we say that we have to eat this otherwise we cannot survive when god almighty That's has a big, given you a big question yeah when we when god almighty has given a, given us so many other options why must we go against the teaching of the creator and say that no i'm going to eat whatever i want so this sense of obedience just when we don't eat something because god almighty has told us it helps us develop a stronger relationship with god almighty because we are staying away from certain type of food why only because for the sake of god almighty even if we don't know any health implications of it and what not we will st- we st- us staying away from it uh, basically uh, you know um, brings us closer to god almighty because we are uh, we are being obedient to god almighty so again as i mentioned before the most important thing is when god almighty has created so many things um and he forbids one two or a few things to you then there is no reason to ignore all those things that are allowed and you say that i must eat what what is what has been made unlawful as now or why has this been made unlawful right so this is uh, in in short th- these are the few reasons the health reasons uh, the health implications of uh, uh, certain foods that's why they've been disallowed as i also explained about alcohol how it clouds our judgment and you know much of the domestic violence in our society occurs because people are under the influence of alcohol then there um is also the 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 ecosystem putting it at risk when we can eat too much of something uh, which have been which has been created to serve other purpose in our uh, in our ecosystem and then thirdly most importantly is to give us a lesson on obedience that you know we should do everything uh, in accordance what we have been commanded by allah what we have been commanded by god almighty Thank you very much Imam Tariq Azim. And um you know I always find one thing so surprising that um these teachings as you gave from the Holy Quran you find similar teachings also in the Bible. However when it comes to the strict applications you find out that in Muslim societies they don't dare you know go near them however in christian dominated countries or societies these laws may be in the bible however consumption of i mean uh, pork and dead animals as it might be referred to blood and all those things must be uh, on the table at at this point let's put you know pork on the table because it is a very important um, delicacy in our society basically christian dominated societies with regardless it being mentioned in the bible that it is forbidden it is very popular you know what are the health implications why pork is not supposed to be eaten if you have any to advise you know listeners on yes um see it truly saddens me that it was forbidden in the torah it was forbidden for the followers of bible but yet many of the people do not even care for this teaching see if it was allowed if it were allowed in their scripture and they were consuming it then it wouldn't be a problem but it's it's strange that it has been forbidden yet they take it as a delicacy and still eat it as if there is no problem with it whatsoever and it has become a complete norm within the same religion which originally forbade it right as i gave yeah. example of prophet jesus earlier that he never consumed at least to our knowledge pork and i'm sure he never did because he was a, a follower of the old testament the torah the teachings uh, you know the the book that he followed himself so um i found this very interesting article actually i found it some years ago and uh, i saved it so I, i it mentions some problems 
with pork, eating pork, what kind okay. of problems it has and why it is, it is harmful. So I'm not going to, it, it says 13 problems with pork uh, by Dom Marley, uh, but I'm not going to go into each of those points. I'll mention maybe five or six points that, uh, you know, just to save some time. It says, firstly, it says it will, uh, about pork, it says that it will eat anything, including urine, excrement, dirt, decaying animal flesh, maggots, or decaying vegetables. They will even eat the cancerous growths of the pigs, of other pigs or animals. So this is one reason given here that with all these problems, why would you want to eat an animal which has no regard, no regard for uh, you know uh, cleanliness or eating something that is that is healthy? An animal that you know, we we hear this uh, philosophy: you are what you eat. Yeah, it's a very common philosophy said again and again. Uh, if an animal is eating all these things and you're eating that animal, eventually you are what you eat, meaning yeah. this is, we, we are the ones who are basically eating all those things indirectly in a way. So that's one of the reasons mentioned there. Uh, it, it, it can be argued that some other animals have s- some of these habits, not all, maybe yeah. one or two of these other habits as well. But again, then look at, the compa- look at comparatively, one that does all these things, why would you consider that particular animal to be safe to be consumed? Another problem, he says, he says, the meat and fat of a pig absorbs toxins like a sponge. Their meat can be 30 times more toxic than beef or venison. Then there's one point about how uh, there is more fat in, um, on basically uh, pork meat, pig meat, than on, uh, on beef or other uh, types of similar meats. Then he says, when eating beef or venison, it takes eight to nine hours to digest the meat. So what little toxins are toxins are in the body, in the meat, are slowly put into our system, slowly put into our system, and can be filtered by the liver. Yeah. But when pork is eaten, it takes only four hours to digest the meat. We thus get a much higher level of toxins within a shorter time, making it difficult for our liver to uh, completely filter them. Another point mentioned here, Unlike other mammals, a pig does not sweat or perspire. Perspiration is a means by which toxins are removed from the body. The sweat that comes, it, it, it becomes a means of removing toxins from our body. Yeah. Since a pig does not sweat, the toxin, the toxins remain within its body and in the meat. The, the, of course, God Almighty has created some other way of, uh, you know, of, it, of, of a pig to take care of itself to, to live and to survive. But for us, those toxins become very harmful. Then it says, when a pig is butchered, worms and insects take to it its flesh sooner and faster than to other animals' flesh. In a few days, the swine flesh is full of worms. Another point mentioned here is that cows have a complex digestive system, having four stomachs. It's one stomach, but basically four compartments. Four, four chambers. Yeah, four chambers. Yes. So it says that it thus takes over 24 hours to digest their vegetarian diet, causing its food to be purified of toxins. In contrast, the swine's one stomach takes only about four hours to digest its foul diet, turning its toxic food into flesh. And lastly, I'll mention, the pig is so poisonous and filthy that nature had to prepare him a sewer line or canal running down each leg with an outlet in the bottom of the foot. Out of this hole oozes pus and filth 
his body cannot pass into the system fast enough. Some of this pus gets into the meat as well. So as we talked about it, like, yes, there is a system for the animal perhaps to survive and stay alive, but so much filth and, you know, um, it's going around or system in, in, in the system of the pig that for us to consume, it becomes uh, a danger to our health. And for this reason, uh, Islam very clearly forbids, not just Islam, uh, the Bible also forbids uh, consumption of pork, uh, consumption of pig. Thank you very much, Imam Tariq Azim. And um, when you mentioned the digestive system of animals like cow, sheep, as opposed to that of the, um, the pig, it, it drew my attention to uh, research which I also uh, chanced on. And it is quite strange. And I believe for listeners who might have had a little bit of, um, you know, education into agric science and other things, it, 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 is, it is not something that should be, should be disputed. The fact is that the pig has only one stomach. However, on the other side, the cow or the sheep and the goat have four chambers of stomach. And, um, you know, from the reticulum and then the abomasum or malsum and then the rumen, these are the chambers that the cow and the, the, the sheep, they have in their system. So they eat, it goes to one factory. Basically, if it was in a factory, it, it goes to one, I mean, setup, and the, it works on it. And it takes quite a longer process for the food to be digested, giving the, the body sufficient time to work on the toxin. And we shouldn't forget that these animals eat largely, um, you know, herbs. And herbs are not that, you know, toxic as compared to a pig, which might be even eating its own dead, you know, uh, young one. Then, again, about the time, it, it says that, um, as you mentioned, it takes about 18 to 24 hours for a cow to digest the food that it eats. Similarly, um, sheep and goat. But then for pig, it takes just about 3 to 4 hours. So if... A pig eats filth in the morning and within the next four five hours it is slaughtered. On your table in the evening is what is looking at you. What the pig ate in the morning that you know it has been processed in a in a rush and then presented to you. And as you said, most of the toxic and the, the, the poison that goes through the the body is absorbed either by way of fat and it's not healthy so with all these things i believe there is no mistake that god the almighty has put and greater emphasis is placed on the flesh of the swine in both in the holy quran and also in the bible and as you mentioned if allah the almighty or god has created millions of animals and he forbids us one or two why should we insist on eating them? I believe um, if, if I allow you, we have a lot, a lot more to, to go. But then my last question for you will be the, the moral and spiritual ramifications of violating this commandment from God. What, what do we stand to lose when we violate these laws and we begin to eat anything that we want to eat regardless? Yes. Uh, I mean, we talked about, I mean, we didn't actually talk too much about how when we disobey the teachings of God Almighty, 
uh, how it creates a problem in the society in general, right? right. Um, in the sense that what kind of ecosystem troubles do we face? But of course, that is a topic of its own, and it uh, you know it would require a lot of explanation. But when we're talking about moral and spiritual ramifications, meaning to ourselves particularly, the persons who are consuming those things. See, any religious man would understand that why do we pray, for example? We do it because it has some spiritual benefit in it. That's why we do it. If we don't do it, then our spirit, you know, we're not able to connect with God Almighty at a spiritual level. The same concept, allow, uh, you know, it connects with the eating lawful foods and staying away from forbidden foods so that we can um, have that kind of connection with God Almighty that look at us, God, we're trying to follow exactly what you have commanded us. And that's what we're trying to do. So this is the spiritual aspect uh, of staying, uh, following the teachings of God Almighty, following whatever he has uh, uh, you know, made lawful and made forbidden. But also looking at uh, uh, you know, uh, one other aspect of it, as I mentioned earlier, that yeah. it is a very commonly spoken philosophy that you are what you eat, yeah. right? If you eat junk food all the time, uh, your body will have uh, both uh, physical as well as mental and uh, moral and spiritual ramifications from that. So I will mention one, uh, I'll read out a paragraph from a, an amazing book, uh, which is called Philosophy of the Teachings of Islam. Yeah. And this is written by founder of Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, his Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, peace and blessings of God be upon him. Uh, and he talks about many different aspects in this book and explains that why the teachings given on the, in the Holy Quran uh, make perfect sense and what is the philosophy behind those teachings. So he takes some teachings. It was one, it was a lecture. He did, you know, it was he wrote to be delivered at an uh, uh, interfaith conference, world religions conference. Yeah. And it, it, it is it is an amazing lecture. I encourage our listeners to grab a copy. They can get it from us or they can download it from the internet as well. Philosophy of the Teachings of Islam. In this book, he says, regarding you know consuming different types of foods, he says, experience also shows that different types of food affect the intellect and the mind in different ways. For instance, careful observation would disclose that people who refrain altogether from eating meat gradually suffer a decline of the faculty of bravery. They lose courage and thus suffer the loss of a divinely bestowed praiseworthy faculty. This is reinforced by the evidence of the divine law of nature that herbivorous animals that do not possess the same degree of courage as do the carnivorous ones. The same applies to birds. Thus, there is no doubt that morals are affected by food. Conversely, those who are given to a diet consisting mainly of meat and eat very little of greens suffer a decline of meekness and humility, meaning they become aggressive. Yeah. Those who adopt the middle course develop both types of moral qualities. That is why God Almighty has said in the Holy Quran, that is to say, eat meat and other foods, but do not eat anything in, anything to excess, lest your moral state be adversely affected by your health and your health might suffer. This is taken from Philosophy of the Teachings of Islam, page 9. So basically, whatever we eat, 
we know it already just by looking around us, looking at different types of animals, we can also understand that whatever we eat, it has an impact on our spirituality. It has an impact on our uh, morality. It has an impact on our uh, morals, you know, like such as courage, bravery, weakness, um, meekness, humility, all these things, these uh, traits, they come from what we eat. Going back again, you are what you eat. Yeah. So that has a very serious, um, uh, you know, what we eat has a very serious impact, not just directly on our health, but also on our moral uh, morality, our health, moral health, our spiritual health as well. Thank you very much, Imam Tariq Azim, for the um, wonderful education given today regarding forbidden foods in the Bible and also in the Holy Quran. And you have taken us through a lot. And um, I believe if time were to permit us, you could have gone on and on. Unfortunately, this is all that time would permit us on today's program. And um, also on behalf of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, we add our voice to the global condemnation of the unfortunate and barbaric attack in France. And the head of the global Ahmadiyya Muslim community states, and I quote, the murder and beheading of Samuel Party and the attack in Nice earlier today must be condemned in the strongest possible term. Such a grievous attack are completely against the teachings of Islam. Our religion does not permit terrorism or extremism under any circumstances and anyone who claims otherwise acts against the teachings of the Holy Quran and contrary to the character of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, may the peace and blessings of God be unto him. With this, I say very big thank you to Imam Tariq Azim for always being, you know, available to educate us on issues and also answering some of the questions that you know we come across from our listeners. And also to you, the wonderful listener, without you, this program wouldn't be as beautiful as it is. Until we come your way next time with another interesting episode from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, it's love for all and hatred for none. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
حسون جمیو خسالی سلو Salih Allah 